Hi, I'm Julie. I'm Kristen. And I'm Kate. Welcome to Season 2 of Topical Island. In every episode, we'll dive into a new topic. From the morbid to the magnificent. The heartfelt to the ridiculous. Join us as each week we take you to a different topical island. Hello and welcome all to another episode of Topical Island. It's lovely to see be here with you ladies julie Kristen. um how are we doing today Kristen? let's start with you how's your week been well i can't even remember my, my week was kind of crazy but i am gonna say something that's so exciting to me and exciting to probably nobody else but i'm joining everybody <laughs> today with two screens Wow. Um, yeah so i'm finally able i a little behind the scenes information i'm typically when it's my topic i'm reading off my cell phone and looking at my tiny laptop screen which is not ideal i have this lovely screen this huge screen that i use for work that i plug my laptop into every day that was never able to figure out how to make it work and then yesterday i download i realized i was on windows 7 which is apparently no longer supported and everything oh. in my world opened up my <laughs> i couldn't figure out why my word documents weren't working and i couldn't figure <laughs> out why my screen wasn't working and it's just a whole new world so i i mean it's I'm setting a really high bar now because now I can see you guys and read my notes on a like full screen. So this is going to be my best podcast yet. Awesome. <laughs> I can't awesome. wait. <laughs> Just to set the bar really high. <laughs> Gotta love a high bar. What about you, Julie? Uh, well, I did something I haven't done in two years yesterday, Ooh. which was I went to the movies now um it is still covid times and i know sometimes it's it can feel uneasy to go into public places but um Mm -hmm. even before the pandemic movie theaters had started to kind of get a little bit more uh what's the right word individual Uh, individual (laughs) lux if you will like You know, our local movie theater here has like reclining chairs and some of them like they'll deliver your food to you. And um, yeah, and so there's tons of space like you don't have to worry about that. And it was just such a nice treat to go out and do something that normal. I saw Sing 2 with my daughter and um, which I actually do recommend. I mean, I've heard great things. Yeah, it's super entertaining. I mean, I saw Sing One. Sing, it wasn't called Sing One. <laughs> it, was, it was just called Sing. Sing. Yes. And it was and good. I enjoyed it. It was good. And this is, if you enjoy that, you'll probably like this. Although, okay. I will say that as we were leaving the theater, a couple moms were talking to each other. And the one was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize how inappropriate that would be. But I, and talking about how inappropriate it was for their kids they were with, but I don't know what part she was talking about. So either (laughs) I'm a terrible mother who doesn't know what's inappropriate for like a five-year-old or, or I missed something. I don't know. Anyway, just. Well, you know how most, there, it feels like a lot of cartoons, they slip in the humor for the adults that the kids wouldn't notice. So maybe it was just one of those innuendos that, yeah, you didn't pick up on. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Just I'll, I'll put out that disclaimer if anybody is taking a small child that some people think it's inappropriate. I didn't. <laughs> I thought it was really fun with lots of music. And um, yeah. And the best part about these, not don't get me wrong. I love Disney movies and I love Disney music. But what's nice about Sing and Sing 2 is that it's modern music. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you're not going to get. You know. Yeah. You're not going to get Let It Go stuck in your head. You're going to, you know, hear 
a U2 song that you know and love anyway. So there you go. How about you, Kate? Well, we had a, we just got back from a lovely weekend visiting our friends in Edmonton. Um, And it was, it was great. We took the kids to a big splash, a big pool with water slides and they had a great time. Like West Ed? No, we didn't go to West Ed. Um, I don't know that I'm ready for West Ed. (laughs) I don't know that I'm ready for West Ed at the best of times. Yeah, Yeah. no, totally. Yeah, like, yeah. So no, we didn't do West Ed. We did go to, go to a pool. Um, so it was great, but of course, what's top of mind is our trip back, which took us, would normally take us a a solid three hours. They live north Mm -hmm. of the city. We live south of Calgary. So it's a solid three hours and it took us about five and a half to get back because the roads were just so icy Mm -hmm. and we were going at snail's pace. That being said, I was just happy not to be the car in the ditch. Um, yeah, yeah, just there people everywhere um but i have to say as a um as the community of cars traveling onwards i was impressed that nobody was making stupid moves like it seemed like most people were just you know there were points where we were just literally at parked like we were we put the car in park because we were just waiting for whatever was up ahead to be cleared and so that happened twice on the on the um qe2 we were just sitting there and we luckily had lots of snacks and tenley was ended up being great all things considered and um but it was that's so you know i was i was very happy to wake up in my own bed this morning and be cozy because at every turn off there was the debate of do we get off do we stay the night is it going to be like this tomorrow what do we do so yeah that's me well, we're so glad you're not in the ditch, and we're so glad yes. you made it home safe. Yes, I am too. For the longest, straightest highway, that is so oh. such a treacherous highway. It it's, really is. It's yeah. foolish. Yeah. So, you know, I, I let's get a train. There's my. I'm saying it. High speed train, Calgary to Edmonton. <laughs> wow, Julie, that's brilliant. Have you I mentioned know. this to anybody? I know nobody's ever <laughs> had like, this idea before. I feel like maybe we should talk to some people. <laughs> That's ingenious. <laughs> um, but jokes aside, well, I, actually, I don't know. Maybe this topic's full of jokes. But Kristen, where are you <laughs> taking us this <laughs> this week? I'm excited to find out where you are taking me from the comfort of my own home, where I will not be on a highway. Please, yeah, absolutely. So, I don't, I don't have any baked in jokes to this one. I don't. <laughs> um, but you never know. You never know. So actually, our topic today was suggested by an island hopper. Ooh. Yes. And it was actually interesting. So um, I don't know if it's been obvious, but I'm the main manner of our Instagram account. And uh, <laughs> no, well done. Applause. Well done. No, no. Applause. It's amazing. I, but, it, but I was like, okay, so I got the suggestion from Scott. Is it bad that I take it? But I'm like, then if if I give it to someone else, then I know what this topic is. So anyways, I hope no one's mad. But it was a topic that I was already thinking of doing, but it was kind of an interesting angle to it. So he actually shared an article that was titled Catalonia to pardon up to 1,000 people accused of witchcraft. Oh. Have you guys heard about this? No. No. So it's quite interesting. Um, the whole topic kind of led me down a rabbit hole. So, of course, we've all heard about the Salem Witch Trials, uh, which was in Salem, Massachusetts, between 1692 and 1693. I didn't realize it was so short. What oh was the name of that book we all read in the Crucible. high school? The, the Crucible, Crucible, yes. 
Um, and so at that time, 200 people were accused, 30 were found guilty, and of those convicted, 14 women uh, and five men were hanged. Mm. <laughs> but since that time, um, they've actually reversed the conviction. Between 1711 and 2001, they've reversed the conviction for all of those who were killed as witches. And I think I saw a really nice article about this one woman who was not actually um, hung, but she was accused. And then it was, but there's like a group of eighth grade kids who are trying to get her pardoned. So it's really, really nice. But um, there you go. There's your lighthearted. That was my, that's my good news story. No, it is. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking this could be one really long good news story, sort of in the end. So how does that, so it was kind of interesting because that was actually the witch, the witch trials was the one I was thinking of doing and thinking about like witches and the history of that. And, but I was like, okay, well, so there's this big witch hunt that also obviously happened in Europe. Catal- Catalonia is an area of Spain. And, um, so I was kind of, then I'm trying to find out how does w- this witch hunt relate to the witch hunt in Massachusetts in Europe. So, um, witch hunts have actually occurred in completely geographically and culturally separated societies, Europe, Africa, New Guinea, which has caused people to study it from an anthropology perspective. The belief in magic and divination and attempts to use magic to do different things in your life is actually universal across many human cultures. But also over time, they've kind of found that People have also used that magic and those types of people to uh, explain otherwise random misfortunes such as sickness or death. So there's always that Mm. wanting to have an explanation for something. So they actually also found, um, because of the reports happening in all these totally distinct things, areas and cultures, that uh, not only belief in witchcraft, but also the periodic outbreak of witch hunts are human our human cultural universal. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Well, nobody likes things that can't be explained, right? And so if your way to explain it is through magic and you can't explain magic, I can mm-hmm. see people getting together and really not liking that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very uncontrollable as well, right? When you have structures that are trying to control things for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um but so how so what was the witch hunt have you guys heard much about the witch hunt that happened across europe no, no. i'm i'm only vaguely familiar with salem yeah so, oh, even, wow. even that other than seeing a couple of movies yeah me too so beginning this not as exciting as it sounds it's it's very <laughs> awful um oh. beginning in the 15th century <laughs> a witch hunt fever swept swept continental europe it is estimated that between 1580 and 1630, about 50,000 people were condemned to death for witchcraft across wow. Europe. Wow. And about 80% of those were women. Wow. So a lot of the times, they, the women were sort of similarly profiled. So they, a lot of them were older women or unmarried or widows. Mm. Um, some of them were working as midwives or healers to make ends meet. And for a lot of them were sanctioned or licensed by their local region. But because of their knowledge of plants and the body, it made them more vulnerable to religious traditions as religious traditions kind of tried to, uh, I guess, get people more in line and become more dogmatic. So um, anything that was linked to magic or sorcery outside the church's healing powers uh, could be labeled as suspect. So again, um, they were often 
associated with the devil's presence or punishment. So when crops failed, a child got sick, quite often they would uh, blame it on these women or uh, making them scapegoats. So during the 14th century in Europe, there was lots of things going on. There were crop failures between 1315 and 1317, the Black Plague. So there was lots of reasons that people had for looking for a reason why things were going wrong, potentially. Mm -hmm. So the very first, so this kind of goes back to Julie's well, not really. I guess when we're talking about imagery and things coming from who knows where they kind of started from, but I'm thinking of your, um, your my Santa's magic mushrooms. mushrooms. Yes, yes, that's what I'm referencing. <laughs> Santa's magic mushrooms. Listen to our last podcast. Um, so one of the first kind of, I kind of was like, where's that first kind of description of a witch, like, you know, with a hat or riding a broom or right. whatever come up? Um, but there was two women in the margin in illustrations in the 1451 edition of French poet Martin Lefranc Le Champion, Des Dames. Wait, is his name oh. Mushroom? No, his name is... Oh, Champion, Champion. not Champignon. Des Dames. Okay. <laughs> oh, Defender of Ladies. Yeah, Champion of the Women, it sounded like. Oh. Yeah. Yes. There we go. Sorry, I thought there I heard go. Mushroom in French and got the story. <laughs> A manuscript now in uh, the National Library of France. Um, so according to Witchcraft in Europe, a documentary history, it was the first illustration of a pictorial history of witchcraft. So his long poem was about virtuous women and is interrupted by a, a short discussion of witchcraft. And the covered heads of two women um, would mark them at the time as Waldensians, Wald, which was a Christian movement uh, mm. that allowed uh, any member could be a priest, even a woman. And... Um, and they could perform sacraments and preach. So it was obviously um, looked down upon by certain groups at that time. And so that it was his, that was these women that were depicted partway through the text. And one was, I think, soaring on a stick and the other one was soaring on a broom. And so um, Dylan Thura said, Op- Atlas Obscura wrote that the broom was a f- symbol of female domesticity, yet the broom was also phallic. So riding on mm. one was a symbol of female sexuality, thus femininity and domesticity gone wild. Oh. <laughs> okay. So I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? That was one, knows? One, one person's interpretation. But as we talked about, you know, we never really know where things come from. But that was, I guess, one of the first potential depictions mm-hmm. of uh, witch riding a broom, which is obviously a, ne- a pretty negative uh, perception of femalehood i guess hmm. so enter scotland scotland okay i'm gonna offend all our listeners from across the world <laughs> um, one no, country at a time <laughs> yeah one country at a time so actually scotland was in a particular hotbed for witch for supposed witchcraft and uh a witch hunt during the modern era in 1563 in Scotland, the Witchcraft Act was brought into law and remained into law until 1736. During that time, witchcraft was a capital crime, and those convicted Ooh. of witchcraft were strangled to death oh and then burned at the stake so it is not to bury their body. That was a method of capital punishment was strang- strangling people to death? That's well, really like by horrifying by hanging, or was somebody responsible for the strangling? Like, because, you know, you hang from the right. rope until you are dead, like before okay. the... Before the yeah. like the actual gallows were invented, where it would break your neck, didn't you just have to suffocate? Oh, gosh, I hope so. I hope it wasn't at somebody's bare hands. 
Yeah, who volunteers for that? Ugh. So it's interesting because we'll talk later because in Catalonia when we were talking about it, the way the women were killed was hanged and not burned at the stake. So I'm thinking it is it some is. form of strangulation, but yeah. yeah. Like anyways, I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that part. James the 6th of Scotland um kind of started one of the or I guess was instrumental in one of the first major witch hunts that broke out in the coastal town of North Berwick in 1590. So he believed that the town's residents used witchcraft to summon storms that delayed carrying the ship of his Danish bride, Anne. Oh, that's... She got held up, and that's why... Yeah. (laughs) I know, and I'm like, she didn't even... Nothing even happened. Like, she, yeah, she was... She died at sea. She got there. She was was Kate on the QE2, and... uh, (laughs) And he decided that that was that he would kind of and he actually went like he wrote a a treatise called the demonology and was actually part of making uh, William Shakespeare incorporate details of the Berwick trials to play Macbeth. Like it it really brought um, a whole part of that culture and really sanctioned that idea. So the Berwick trials took place about a century before the Salem witch trials. Hmm. So quite often when someone was accused or when someone was accused of witchcraft, people were locked up awaiting tort trial to, and tortured to confess, basically. So quite often their method of torture was sleep deprivation. So basically keeping people awake until they confessed. And I was thinking about it because they also did things like crushing and pulling out nails and um, picking. And I was kind of think of torture. Sorry, this is really dark. But when I think of torture, like, and I think of like, I don't know if I could handle like physical like when they you know like the awful things you hear about i don't even like listening to the ways that people torture but i feel like some of those psychological things might be even worse you know like when you talk about keeping someone awake or when they talk about like you know what is that water thing where they drip it yeah 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 so like think about you're trying to fall asleep and then they keep you awake until you oh yeah it would be awful yes as the as a as the I was going to say, as the owner of a newborn, as the parent of a newborn. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's bad enough. And you get, like, a couple hour stints of sleep here and there. But, yeah, yeah to be completely deprived of sleep. Now, I could be, well, there's a Arcade Fire song that says this, so it must be true, which is, <laughs> you'll die faster without sleep than without water. I don't know oh. if that's true. Oh, Going back, God, we're just we're just linking all our knitting podcasts it all together. together. That is interesting because I, I I feel like I've heard this, which I I don't know because this isn't part like that's not how they killed them or anything. But I I think I've heard like how many days you can stay awake, okay, before you die. But I don't remember what but it it's is. It's not. I can't imagine it's too many. Of course, since then, they realized that quite often. I mean, any kind of torture to get confession doesn't seem great no um but quite often when like people quite often get really confused when they're sleep deprived and hallucinate Mm -hmm. let alone they're being tortured maybe they just want it to end and they're like well i'll just i don't know you we've all watched those torture shows and how they get people to confess to things but yeah um yeah so that was kind of their method in scotland also another kind of interesting thing around that is that 
Signs associated with witchcraft, like brooms, cauldron, black hats, and pointed hats, were also associated with what they called alewives. For the, so it was the name of women who brewed weak beer to combat poor water quality. Oh. The broomstick sign was to let people know beer was on sale, the cauldron to brew it, the cat to keep the mice down, and the hat to distinguish them at the market. Women were ousted from brewing and replaced by men once it became a profitable industry, they say. Mm. And I, I mean, again, that's <laughs> that's interesting because, um, I mean, that's another way of broomsticks. I mean, that's completely different than the other definition I earlier gave. But right. just a lot of, like, maybe people were um, healers or maybe they weren't right. at all. They were just doing other things, you know, like there's so many different reasons that women and people have, were accused of these things and very often are very unlikely did it have anything to do with people ships or casting spells or those types right. of things. Right. Yeah. yeah. It is estimated that 3,837 people in Scotland were accused of witchcraft. Wow. And if the cases are to be considered a representative sample, two-thirds of those executed uh, was to around 2,558 people. And wow. 84% of those accused were women. Wow. The cool thing is that there's a group called the Witches of Scotland, and they actually organized themselves in on Women's Day, International Women's Day in 2020, and they organized a petition with all this information. A lot of the information I talked to you about Scotland is on their website, and essentially they're tra- they're looking for three things. They want a legal pardon for the women, for the people, right. a- an apology. And a national monument for the thousands of people, mostly women, that were convicted and ex- convicted of witchcraft and executed between 1563 and 1836 in Scotland. Oh, hmm. I would sign that petition. I think that's valid. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. are very reasonable what? asks. <laughs> Especially when you think the majority of convictions came down, I mean, a lot of it came down to just being a woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and not not liking like not and, liking being sleep deprived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's kind of interesting that like when you look at the stats from the states, they pardoned uh, witches quite a long time ago. Uh, so I don't know what's the hold up there, but um, the, I guess the they're actually pretty close. So First Minister Nicola Sturgeon, who's the leader of the Scottish National Party, she voiced support for the bill in late December of 2021, signaling the country's government may agree to issue a formal apology in the coming months. So oh, oh. you can still put your voice behind. They actually have a podcast, so I hope, I hope they don't listen to me and my stats. But um, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they have a podcast you can listen to. They have a great website and you can sign. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you have to be from there to sign their petition. But yeah, it's certainly uh, a noble effort. It's very interesting. I mean, obviously these people um, are gone and mm-hmm. nothing's going to change what happened to them. But uh, it's certainly a nice thing to at least kind of clear their name from a yeah. legal standpoint and, and symbolically in the world. So back to Catalonia. So Catalonia is an autonomous community in Spain. So this is what this is the initial article that Scott had sent through and it was it's been designated as a nationality and has a statute of autonomy. So I, that could be a whole other topic. I didn't know anything about that. <laughs> in January, the parliament actually passed a resolution to pardon up to 1000 people, of course, majority women, who were condemned for the crime of witchcraft in the region 400 years ago. Wow. So, yeah. Uh interestingly enough, um because Spain had the Inquisition 
going on. Right. Most of Spain wasn't as impacted by the witch hunts because, uh, oddly enough, they were a little bit more scrutinizing with proof. Ah. <laughs> so so um, <laughs> they they were often um, set free for lack of evidence in in areas that weren't going through the Inquisition. But I guess uh, Catalonia was the exception as I mentioned, about a thousand people. So it was a, it was a very uh, concentrated area where women and people were accused of witchcraft. And so it, the move follows similar gestures in, in Scotland, Switzerland, and Norway. After more than 100 European historians signed a manifesto titled They Weren't Witches, They Were Women. The hmm. Catalan president, Per Aragonés described the witch hunts as institutionalized femicide. Ooh. Yeah, which is, you know, when we hear all this information, it pretty much what? makes sense, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's a, same thing there, you know, women, witches were blamed for the sudden death of children, natural catastrophes, and poor harvests. So it is that that universal witch hunt idea. Um, but yeah, like I said, over there, they they uh, par- they actually went through this the, the process of pardoning. So that, I guess learning all this awful information does have some bright sides to it, uh, which is that, you know, people are being pardoned and we're realizing it. However, I, th- I think it is relevant these days. And I mean, I think we all, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched Handmaid's Tale, but I think especially with some of the things that went on in the States for a little while there, and continue to go on and now, mm-hmm. and some things that can continue to go on in Canada, these things that seem like they shouldn't be issues <laughs> sometimes seem to be. So Claudia yeah. Joel is the director of the magazine Sapiens, a Catalan magazine that covers both ancient and modern history. While the idea of modern day witch trials in the Western world may seem ludicrous, we've lived, we're living in strange times filled with political, social, economic, and environmental tensions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pajol assures us that the conditions were just right or just wrong. There's nothing to prevent similar persecution from taking place unless we learned from our past. Mm Mm-hmm. Very true. Just to kind of underline what you're saying about The Handmaid's Tale, like Margaret Atwood said, there was nothing in those books, um, The Handmaid's Tale being the first and then The Testaments being the second book, um, that hasn't happened in human history before. Everything in it, although not all at once in one place, it's all, everything that was in there was historically had happened somewhere. Well, and the tendency to, I guess, it, it's, it happens to, you know, women, witches, non-witches, uh, groups of people, Mm-hmm. you know ethnicities whatever like for some reason we have this when things are going awry we have this need to blame someone or something and yeah. so it's it's kind of scary very much yeah and i mean even thinking of those who were found guilty of witchcraft and um and executed that mm-hmm. probably i mean one thing i think about when i think of the witch the witch hunts is the I feel like there were a lot of methods in which they tried to prove, like, prove whether or not you were a witch, but the ultimatum was you died. It's yes. like, we're going to throw you in a lake. We're going to tie you up and throw oh. you in a lake. And if you float, you're a witch. And if you sink, mm-hmm. you're an innocent woman, but you're going to drown. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I So I feel like there was a lot of that, unless I'm just thinking of Monty Python in which they're... <laughs> She's heavier than a duck. <laughs> it's a lose-lose situation. Yes. No, That's totally. True. And I, yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I think some of that, because I know like there was a lot more of that intricacy in the, um, which could be, I think the Salem 
situation could probably be a whole nother topic because I think there was a lot more of the intricacies of, of like how people were accused and it's probably just a little bit better documented I would imagine. Right and I was gonna ask like because it was such a short period of time and honestly the numbers seem pretty small compared to mm-hmm. those of Europe because mm-hmm. it's a longer period of time as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we just know so much more like it's just so much more common knowledge and maybe that's because we're in North America and that's what yeah Yeah. I'd be curious to know if yeah if in Scotland they have uh they all know the story these stories or or not well in in the references uh I can't remember what article it was that I was reading but it was they I I think they they did do a lot of I tried not to do too much of that but like the women of or the witches of Scotland website like it would compare like it's a world it's much more like the Salem witch trials is a much more world famous event okay. mm-hmm. than okay. than the others. So it would be interesting to know or understand. And I'm sure that people have talked about, you know, why that would be because yeah, the numbers are, I mean, it, it's awful that it happened in the States and, you know, but um, the numbers are significantly higher in the European mm-hmm. ones. So yeah, it's interesting. I don't know why that would be more maybe, I mean, also, I mean, there, we talked about the novels that were written about it. Maybe it's just been a little bit more, Mm. publicized in a way yeah 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 mm-hmm. oh that's fascinating. yeah they had better marketing people <laughs> <laughs> so so in catalonia they have all officially been pardoned now is that that's yeah and i think in catalonia there are some kind of like in scotland as well like apparently there are some smaller monument like there's a park uh, and there was a mention of a park in Catalonia to kind of commemorate. And in Scotland, there are smaller things like that to commemorate. But they were looking for this kind of national monument. Right. Right. In Scotland, anyways. Yeah. yeah. Well, good for them. I, I wish them well. I hope. Yeah. I forget. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I I mean, the, I think it, it's definitely a good news story in a way. But, I mean, the history that's all behind it is, is pretty sad. So I hope that... Um, we have a good, good news story today. <laughs> yeah. And and before we really put Julie on the spot for that, um, I want to be l- rolling in tears of laughter. Um, <laughs> you can cut Uh-oh. that out. <laughs> cut that out. But, tears of joy um, and laughter. <laughs> I do want to say, I think that's great that it was um, an Island Hopper suggestion. Um, mm-hmm. And I do just want, I do want to put out there because there is at, there's at least one other Island Hopper who has provided multiple suggestions to me <laughs> that I have not yet covered, but they, I have the, these girls, Julie and Kristen know that I have a whiteboard of um, topics to do and I can, don't worry, Vanessa, your topics are on the <laughs> Oh no, am I going to get you in trouble with Vanessa? Because Scott only told me that like, I don't know, a month ago or oh, something. Oh jeez. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Just kidding. Now. So, <laughs> okay. So, Julie, tell us some good, good news. Some good news. Okay. Well, this is, I think it's a good news story. It's quite sweet. Um, okay. Although there is, so we're all familiar with monarch butterflies. Now, I say we're all familiar in North America. They're well known. They're uh, the orange butterflies with black trim. Um, they are unfortunately becoming uh, in an endangered species. They're kind of a miraculous species, though, when you consider that they migrate every year from Canada to Mexico. So imagine that migration, that massive migration by a butterfly. 
which is just incredible. Um, But the story I wanted to share is of a nursing home in Ontario. Anne McLean James was a former aide at the Golden Dawn Senior Citizen Home, and she has been raising uh, monarch butterflies for over 25 years. And as a way to bring joy during the pandemic, she would actually bring uh, many of the monarchs and release them into the courtyard of of the senior citizen home. And the monarchs stay around and will sit on some of the residents. And um, basically it's just a way of bringing joy. And she has also brought in a few of um, the the enclosures so that more butterflies can, um, you know, emerge from their cocoons and then be released again. So it's a way of actually increasing the population of monarchs as well as bringing joy to the residents. So I'm going to just quote Anne McLean James here. It's a special thing releasing them with them, them being the senior citizens. At this stage in their life, to me, a monarch is sort of our life story, how we think we're dead and then look what happens to us. Sort of a story of hope, I always think. There's more to life than what's here. So that's sort of releasing from their cocoons and then being released into the wild. Clarice Garrett, a 92-year-old resident, remembers sitting with a monarch that stayed on her hat for about 20 minutes. And then it came down and looked me in the eye, I think it was. I loved it. I didn't move. I never thought I would enjoy it, but I did. I just loved every minute of it. And there's really beautiful photos of lots of the residents adorned with the beautiful monarchs that land on them and sit with them. And I just thought it was a lovely way to bring a little bit of joy um, during a hard time, as well as just in general, just um, to bring and to think about, you know, life in that sort of cyclical way of there's always a next chapter. And um, and I thought that was really beautiful. So there's my good news story for the day. Well, I think that's a beautiful story and a great note to end on. Julie, Kristen, Hoppers, did you find what you were looking for? 